Do you have solo economic dependency? That is, if you aren't working, you aren't making money. The Art of Passive Income Podcast is the solution. Discover passive income models so you can enjoy life on your own terms. Let freedom ring. Hey, it's Mark Biddle from the Landgeek, your favorite and achieve real estate website, www.thelandgeek.com. And today's going to be a special podcast. We're actually going to mix it up a bit and provide all of you Landgeekers a taste of the best of the best segments of our Roundtable podcast, which have been immensely popular. So sit back with a latte or an espresso or an Americano or some kind of caffeinated drink. Maybe a bulletproof coffee like me, and enjoy the best of the best of our roundtable segments. And so I thought it'd be a good roundtable discussion to talk about how we build our buyers lists um, and what we do and how we sort of cultivate that and and you know and keep growing it and um, and and really you know having this sort of relationship, if you will, with our buyers list. So I want to start with. Eric Peterson. Eric, how do you build your buyers list? Um, well, I currently do a few different things um, and actually I'm always trying to improve it. But um, first of all, anybody that contacts me from an ad that I have out there, um, I will add them to my buyers list automatically. Um, then I've got forms on my website that uh, people can fill out and join my buyers list that way. Um, and then the much less, uh, often cases me just, um, you know, if I'm talking to somebody on the phone, getting their email that way, um, and entering it into my buyer's list. Um, so those are probably the three main areas. Um, well, actually Facebook too. I do get a few, um, emails there to add to my buyer's list as well. Very cool. Rachel Mueller, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think Eric kind of nailed it. Um, definitely anytime you get some sort of an email, whether it's from Craigslist, Landon Farm, if you're communicating with someone on Facebook, as soon as I get that email, I add them to the list, let them know, hey, you're going to stay up to date, new deals, all that fun stuff. Um, we have a few pop-ups on our webpage, too, that prompt you to sign up, so you can't really run away from it. When you first log on to the website, it's there. When you go to a property, it's there. When you're about to log off, it's there. Just letting you know, you know, you don't want to miss out. Uh, and then also phone calls. If somebody just cold calls you, getting that email so you can follow up and keep going that way. Fantastic. Tate Litchfield. You know, similar approach as everyone else. Um, it's funny because I hear some people say, you know, that they're going to ask for permission to people for people to go on their buyers list. They'll say, Hey Mark, thanks for your email. Would you like me to add you to our buyers list? Um, I don't do that. If you contact me, you make it onto my buyers list. That's a privilege. And that's how my buyers list has gotten so big. And I know once Mark, you told me you live by the philosophy where you either, you know, you either buy or you die, right? You get off the list. If you don't want to receive my emails anymore, unsubscribe. What do I care, right? So I, buy or unsubscribe. Yeah, buy or unsubscribe. I mean, maybe, yeah, and it's worked. Um, so I consider it a privilege for people to be on our buyers list. And uh, I'm doing a lot of the same things everybody else is. My question is, besides Facebook or Craigslist or the, the traditional methods, is anybody doing anything else to build that buyers list? 
Eric Peterson, anything, uh, any new ninja geeky tactics that you're kind of hiding underneath your really cool Beats earphones? <laughs> um, no, I, I am, uh, I guess, kind of working on some things, um, you know, thinking through some ideas and different things of that nature, but none of that is really implemented yet. Um, you know, I, I guess one thing we might want to talk about is just what we do with um, those people that are on our list and how much we contact them and, um, you know, different things of that nature as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a minimum once a week. What about, what about you, Eric? How often are you emailing them? Uh, once a week, they get a, a investment of the week is what I call it um, from me. Um, I also, anybody that gets added either by me or they join my list, uh, they'll get an autoresponder series, um, walking them through some, you know, land buying mistakes kind of thing. Um, so they'll get that. Um, and I'm working on some other autoresponder series as well. Rachel Mueller, what about you? Yeah, we've got some fun Facebook integrations that we're working on actually to try and push some more emails uh, but we also are working on a free download, kind of like you have, you know, three biggest fatal land buying mistakes. Uh, we're working on something similar of our own to try and encourage more people to be signing up. And then uh, same thing, when they do sign up, we have a series of autoresponders that kind of pushes them through and encourages them to keep checking back for deals and things like that. Fantastic. Tate? Yeah, similar approach. I'm I would say we contact our buyers list anywhere from, you know, two to three times a week. Uh, a lot of it, uh, obviously with our deal of the week, but sometimes we'll send them helpful tips or, um, you know, just cool things that we found, uh, articles on land or whatever we find helpful and we think that they might enjoy reading. So I think that the most important thing with your buyers list is top of mind awareness, right? Uh, I want to be in their inbox on a weekly basis. So even if they're not buying, interested in buying land right now, when they go to delete that email, they still see Tate Litchfield, Frontier Properties. So that's kind of the purpose of the, the, the multiple touch points in a week because, I mean, what's the average attention span of, a, of an American right now? My, mine is two seconds. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like a ferret on a, on a double cappuccino. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think all of us are that way, right? Like, so it's important that uh, my name stays fresh in their memory. So that's why we have the multiple touch points. And yeah, we're working on the Facebook bot and all of that too, to just make it easier for them to communicate. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, my, my attention span has gotten so bad that I'm ruining like date night with my wife. <laughs> so, so last night, like we, like we pour like a glass of wine we're going to go watch a movie together in the bedroom, close the door, three kids, good night, right? So I'm saying good night to the kids. Well, sure enough, my son has his laptop open. Well, I, that's my 16, by the way, so don't judge. I could see, I could see you getting judgy, Tate. He's 16. <laughs> and he's watching Breaking Bad, right? And next thing you know, I'm watching it with him. And this goes on for like 10 minutes. I go back into the room. My wife's like, I thought we were having date night, like, like it's ruined. I ruined it. Right. And I'm like, I got distracted. <laughs> it's breaking bad. No one can blame you for that. Well, and you know what? And that's, that's why, you know, 
papers weren't filed last night either, so that's good. Yeah. You filed but, the I, I, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I digress. I digress. So from a, from a technical standpoint, is every, what's everybody using actually to, to execute on creating, let's say, the squeeze page, collecting that email, right? And then how are they actually creating that autoresponder series and emailing them out? For example, are they using an AWeber or a MailChimp or a Constant Contact? And why? So, Eric, what about you? Okay. Um, well, when I started, I used MailChimp. Um, I've recently switched over to ConvertKit, um, and I'm loving that. Um, so, my what, what do you love about it compared to MailChimp? Um. Well, first of all, I'm I'm just getting better open rates. Um, I with MailChimp, I had a very, um, let's say, professional email that I would send out with images and logos and all kinds of stuff. ConvertKit, I'm just sending texts. Um, but the the tagging ability to kind of segment my list and start to define different groups of buyers um, is a lot easier to use than a MailChimp. It's not that you can't do it, um, but it's just a lot more functional, I feel like, in ConvertKit. So, so yeah, I mean, for that reason, I'm just, I'm really liking it a lot. Rachel Mueller, about you? Uh, I'm really happy we're talking about this, actually, because recently I've been deciding if I want to keep MailChimp uh, for that reason, low open rates, it seems like. Um, it works, though, as far as organization and web integration. Uh, so we have our list with MailChimp, and then we actually have something called MailMunch, that's integrated into our WordPress website, and that's what prompts all of those pop-ups that you can customize, and it kind of funnels into the buyers list. Um, and then the autoresponders through MailChimp. But again, like Eric mentioned, it's pretty snazzy. Um, it's HTML emails, and I think it might just be too much for. Well, I mean, what we HTML do. emails are getting um, filtered out. Right? Yeah. Like Google's got the filter. Like if it's HTML email, oh, it looks like it's coming from Nordstrom. That's a promotion, right? Um, we only send text emails mm-hmm. out. Um, and we use AWeber. But Tate, uh, what about like the actual tech to get the, the, uh, the email, right? And then yeah. put that into AWeber. So we're using AWeber and then we link in, you know, lead pages. You know, often it'll go out as a text in AWeber and you'll click on a, you know, a tell me more button and that will take you to a lead page. Uh, from that lead page, you can also, you know, purchase the property or get more information, look at current inventory. There's a little video on it typically. And our open rate is, uh, you know, knock on wood, it's fantastic. We have a really, really great open rate. Um, and for us, we've done a lot of testing and I've noticed that you got to have a catchy headline and you got to have a good photo. Mm-hmm. Other than that, um, you know, I, I think that some people are going to view it as just spam or another junk mail, but somebody who's really looking or really interested, uh, you got about one second before they decide if it's trash or if it's something worth pursuing and, and getting more information on. So we spend a lot of time and effort on making sure our headlines are, uh, are catchy and unique and, you know, that there's some sort of call to action. You know what I think is so important is those first two sentences 
yeah. in the email because when I'm like looking on my iPhone and I'm and I'm looking at my email, I only kind of review the first two sentences and then I kind of make that quick decision: do I want to read more or not? So, Eric, how much thought are you putting into those first two sentences? Or are you just, you know, writing? Well, my opening line is is actually always the same right now. Just me reintroducing myself, my company, and, you know, letting them know that this is this week's deal of the week. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's maybe something to think about, um, but that's kind of the way I've done it up till now. Um, and then after that, I mean, once you get past that first sentence, obviously, um, you know, we start talking about that particular deal. Um, and yeah, I mean, try to keep that, those opening sentences, um, maybe a little lighter, more kind of storytelling, kind of choose your path kind of perspective. I don't know. Um, so I do a little bit of that, but you know, maybe it's time to rethink that opening sentence. I, I almost feel like it should be like, you know, completely like you have to open it. First two sentences, like, you know, I was bleeding from my side, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> right. Like what? I would click on that. Yeah. Right, right. Like well, tell me the story. This story is crazy. I'm bleeding from my side, you know, and then you're like, just kidding. But actually, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you start losing your readership by, right. you know, by clickbaiting it. But it's like you gotta you gotta get that attention in those first two sentences. Um, Rachel, how often are you thinking about that when you're uh, crafting? Every time that we compose an email, I mean, I agree with you in that people nowadays they're checking their phone for emails more than they are desktop computer. And in iPhone, especially, you have just that like five words or seven words of a preview and that's kind of the determining moment if somebody's going to click on it or they're just going to archive archive it or you know delete it so you really want something that is going to be attention grabbing and want them will them to click on it and go further tate what about you same you know it's kind of the priority of the email uh everything else is really easy and really quick to produce and, and create but uh I, sp- I would say we spend the most most time on that first little intro, make the property sound really desirable and really unique, and highlight some of its uh, some of its positive attributes. And so we 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 hit that first intro really really hard. Yeah, I I, I think it's it's critical. Um, Eric, did you ever tell us how you, how you're getting the actual what tech your piece you're using to actually get the the email? No, no. Like we and use lead pages. Rachel's using a WordPress plugin. What are you doing? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So, uh, you know, the, the email responses I get to my ads, whether that be Landed Farm or Craigslist or wherever, Facebook, um, from there, after that first response, they go into PipeDrive. And I have a um, zap running from PipeDrive that adds those emails to my um, buyers list. So geeky. I love the automation. <laughs> if you don't know what a zap is, it's zapier.com. It's like my favorite website. It's um, pretty awesome. I'm on there every day. What can I automate yeah. today? Like literally like you should be thinking, what can I automate today? Let's just talk to Eric about when you're buying five properties, right? For this round mm-hmm. table discussion, let's talk about how we buy bulk deals. I don't know if it's this five even considered a bulk deal. 
Mike, what's a bulk deal to you? Uh, closing on 70 right now, so I, that's a bulk. That's a bulk deal. All right. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Mike just dropped the mic. <laughs> no, not intentionally. It's just he asked the question. <laughs> All right. So, so Mike, when you're buying 70 properties, yes. how, do you approach it differently than you do if you're buying five or even one? Well, it's the same. The beautiful thing is it's the same system. So it's really not tremendous amount of any more work on our end, you know. Um, it's just, you know, when you make sure all your ducks are in order, you know, there's a lot of parcel numbers and things like that. But our systems are taking care of that. So I don't think it's tremendously different. It's just that, you know, uh, you're just going to keep it in the system. You know, we, we use the LG Pass. We have everything kind of organized. And it's really, you know, it's all uh, farmed out to uh, we're delegating a lot of the tasks, of course, with our assistants. And then uh, we have it in the system. So I, I can't say it's tremendously different. No. Uh, I mean, no. No. Eric Peterson, thoughts? No, I, I, I think I would agree. I, I mean, um, the five I mentioned actually are all are not from the same seller. Three of them are, but two are other sellers. But in the past, um, I've never done anything as big as 70. But, uh, you know, anytime you have multiple properties with one um, seller, I feel like it's easier, um, actually. Uh, uh, it's a little less work. Um, I mean, sure, you still need to do all the same due diligence, but at the same time, um, just working with a single person versus multiple, I think there's some time savings there. When you close, you know, you can only, you can just use one deed, list all those properties out. Um, so there's some efficiencies in there as well. Yeah, and you go through a tile company, right? I mean, there's, that's just a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. um, they do all the, the tile work for you. Uh, Mike, what title company do you recommend right now? Um, well, the Southwest title is good. I mean, there's a few of them out there that are, that are good. But uh, we're um, we're actually not – this is a really uh, – we're getting a great deal. So it's these are some tiny little lots. We're buying them probably like not much over $100 a piece. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a – so this is a – yeah, this is a good deal. It's it's fairly, uh, fairly simple. But I guess one of the – Bigger things was, that, you know, this is someone who's owned the land for a long period of time. So the parcel numbers, you know, that that's sometimes parcel numbers change, right? The legal description conveys the ownership but uh, of the title. But so, you know, that our VA, you know, just, just basically hammering that out because, you know, sometimes the counties change those over time. But, yeah, it's, you know, this is a pretty decent purchase, you know, for some stuff that, uh, you know, it's not a huge amount of money. It's, uh, you know. 100 to 150 dollars a property and uh those can you know definitely be sold at like three four hundred percent a piece so it'll be good it's great I'm definitely happy about it it's a great deal <laughs> yeah scott todd how come we didn't find that deal first <laughs> you know mike mike uh mike's got this little little area that it, he he tends to work in he's got this um the thing about mike that i noticed and mark i don't know if like i know that you're this way i'm this way and Mike's this way. The, the reality is, is that you don't necessarily need this massive, you know, international or, you know, entire domestic mailing campaign to buy land. What, what I do is I've got some little areas that I tend to buy in all the time and I keep going back to there. It's almost like, you know, you find gold there 
And what do you do? You just keep going till the gold ends, right? You don't, you don't just bolt and quit because I got to tell you something. These areas that I work in, I get tired of them. I'm bored with them. But you know what? My customers aren't. And so it's just like, let's just keep going back and, and pulling more gold out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for years and years, I, I really was just working on, you know, 40-acre parcels in Nevada. Thank you, honey. My, my wife just brought me a, a bulletproof Americano. Oh, nice. Wow. That's the benefits of being the land geek. <laughs> so, oh, thank you, honey. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Mike. <laughs> yeah, see, Mike, this, Eric, where's your wife bringing you a drink? I mean, there, yeah, there she is. We all got it right there. there. Yeah. Same delivery. <laughs> This now, is, if we could just way, time that next time, like one, two, three. This is way better than Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I lost my train of thought. Talking about working in just one area rather than having. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, for so for years, I mean, I'm working like three areas, three counties in Nevada, and full time, nothing else, totally focused on those, and you know it. it it was a seven-figure business. Nothing wrong with it, right? Um, which, so for Eric Peterson, like, how many counties are you working? Um, two mainly working on adding a third. I'd like to, yeah. to have about three counties that I'm working. I mean, Scott Todd, if you talk to a wholesaler and said, I'm only working, you know, three counties, would they be like, What? Like maybe maybe I'm wrong though maybe he's, you know I don't know what what you know when you first started Land Geek right did you think what was your expectation as far as like mailing and marketing and how many counties you'd need to work I I don't know if I ever thought about it but you know like here's what happened Mark is I I saw other websites like you know, Billy Land, for example, and Land Century and Land Central. I saw all these, you know, land websites, land sellers, and they literally have land all over the country. Right. And there's something in my, like something in my brain said, like, okay, I want to be as big as them. So let me mail here. Let me mail here. Let me mail here. Well, what happened was uh, I, there was inventory that I sat on for a while, right? Because they weren't those faster moving, um, counties and like the, the areas I work in, it's not even necessarily that they're faster moving. It's that I connect with the buyers there. And I think that's a big thing is, is if you can connect with the buyers in a particular market, well then why, why leave it? Right? Like there's, there are clearly markets that I do not connect with the buyers in. And I'll tell you what, I bought four pieces of property today in an area that I do not connect with the buyers in. I don't understand them. Right? Like I don't understand why anybody would buy land here. But you know what I you know why I bought them? I bought them because I'm going to wholesale them, and I'll, I'll buy them. Right, so yeah. there you go. You know, and when it, you know when it comes to those deals, like I really want to buy it only so Eric Peterson can't have it. <laughs> like, <laughs> is that wrong, Mike? Yeah. You know how many how many counties are you working? Oh, three. And I, and I think in the beginning, I what Scott was talking about. I was going to these different sites and all over the place, trying to like dig into all these different counties, just wearing myself tired and. Um, and you settle in and you relax and you take a deep breath and you realize, wait a minute, you know, this, 
I, I can really just do my work here. Now, it's, something, it's interesting because if you go to other people's websites, what can happen is, you know, we know because we buy a lot of land, right, that you may be working with one person in the county you normally work in, and they say, well, I got these other ones over here. And you're like, oh, all right, and you get a good deal and you take them. But that doesn't mean that's your prime county. Now, somebody else looks at my website and goes, oh, geez, Mike likes working in X, XYZ County. Look at his properties here. Well, that's not really the case. I had a guy that I was buying a bunch of land from, and he had three or four parcels that he wanted off. I got a good deal. So, I mean, I guess there's a little, you know, you've got to be careful when you do that, right? So you've got to know your market. And, um, but, yeah, three counties, you know, two primarily, three, you know. Um, and if I get any other areas that I'm not familiar with, like Scott said, I'll just wholesale them. Um, you know, I'm not going to turn down money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting what Scott said about being bored with a county. Yeah. Um, do you guys ever feel that way? Yeah, I could get, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, this. I, I look at the land business like uh, sifting for uh, gold. You know, I get flakes sometimes, and sometimes I get those big nuggets. Of course, I like to try a new river once in a while, right? I'm in the same river every day, like fishing, right? I'll, I'll go try the, that one over there, you know? So I get it, you know? But if this one over here, I keep getting fish that's feeding my family, right? I was like, you know, I don't really need to go, but I, I get it. Yeah, it, it's the same terrain. It's the same thing. There's nothing really remarkable other than it brings a lot of money in. <laughs> Right. Mark, you know, right. the, pro the problem is, is that we, we um, it's a really a mental thing, right? Like if you can just tune out all of the noise and find an area that you're making sales in, it becomes a scale issue, right? Like it's, if you can, if you can, if you can make a few sales and you start to build up that following and then you scale in that one area, well, then by its nature, you will start to make sales faster because you become the go-to guy for that area. Every ad posted for that area is your ad because you're using postingdomination.com forward slash the land geek to, to <laughs> automate your land postings. You're dominating that area. And then like every time they're, they're coming to you, every time they're clicking on one of those ads in the area, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. They have no choice but to buy from you. Right. Yeah. So Scott, what about scarcity mentality, right? If I'm doing posting domination yeah. and you're doing posting domination, so with a click of a button, I can put up 124 ads on Craigslist. With a click of a button, you can do the same thing. If we're both in that same area, yeah. say Florida, right? Does it affect the market? I don't think it does. And here's why, because your ads are going to pull people that, that you, that draw to you and you're thinking like okay. you're unique right? And I'm unique and I'll tell stories a different way than you do. I will write ads a way, different way. And there's no way that I'm going to appeal to everybody. Look, there's, there's a fact that not everybody's going to like you in the world. Not everybody's going to connect with your message and that's okay. Find your people, have your own voice and your people will come to you. Yeah. I mean, Eric Peterson, when you first started, you have that sort of that, that feeling of, wait, if, if Mark is here and Scott's there and the Zen master Mike Zano's here, I better go there. I don't want to go where they are. Did you feel yeah. that way or, or you're like, no, I want to follow Zeno. He's doing <laughs> No, I, th I, I think that, that I did start off that way, you know, feeling that uh, if everybody's, you know, out West, for example, well, you know, maybe I should start near home so I can, you know, do something different. And by the way, if, you know, I'm worried about something, I could go look at the property. And I did that. And, um, you know, I, I think it slowed me down at the beginning. It, uh, it took me time to sell those properties. 
Um, and then I, I went ahead and I, I moved out West and, you know, everybody's there, but I still buy property. I still sell property. Um, I think part of the key is just being out there marketing your properties on a regular basis. And, you know, there's, there's enough buyers out there. There's more than enough land out there. Um, I, I think it just, you know, it works. Yeah. I mean, when you have a multi-billion dollar market and billions of acres and a handful of people doing it, it, it's only those handful of people doing it think that, you know, the market is, there's competition. There's no competition. I I love when Scott Todd is like, well, when I go to my mailbox every day, I get another credit card offer. Credit card companies are still in business, right? Some, they must be making money. Scott, what am I missing here? It's mindset, man. It's like what I, we just said, it's all about your mindset. You've got to change. If you're struggling here, you've got to change that mindset because you're really holding yourself back. Right, right. So Mike, when you're talking to people and they're like, you know, what, what can I expect in this business? Like, what, what do you think the, the real fear is that people have that is stopping them from taking action and, you know, creating a passive income in raw land? And maybe they're like, you know what? Maybe raw land's not for me. Screw it. ATM investing, right? Like, right. What do you think it is? I think it's one thing I really think it is. They look at other people and they say, well, success is for them. It's not for me. Uh, and they look at people and they say, well, I'm not sure I can do that. You know, I'm not sure if that's something that I can accomplish. And what we find out over and over and over again is that all they have to do is follow the actionable steps. They get into a flight school. They go and they follow a coaching program. They follow the steps that are in place and then there's no questioning, so the results come, and those results actually generate the confidence to bring more results. But in the beginning, if they're left to themselves, like we always say, right, it's not a knowledge gap, it's an execution gap. If they're left to themselves, they're going to question themselves, and the fear that they're going to make a mistake or they're not going to take the correct action or that maybe that's just not meant for them. Maybe they're not meant to be successful. I, mean, I, I said it because that's how I felt. They had these glass ceilings, right? And I think this is, this is as high as I can go. This is it. And then someone comes along, you know, and, and you see someone uh, – Boom, blow up, Scott Todd blows up, and you're like, oh, my God. That, that, and he makes it like someone ran the five-minute mile, the four-minute mile. It's like, I can do that. You know, you see it. It becomes something that you can accomplish. And But you got to take action. And I think that's what drives people uh, away is lack of action. Thanks for listening to the Art of Passive Income podcast. Start your journey at www.thelandgate.com and www.scotttodd.net. Read and review the podcast and email support at thelandgate.com. Your screenshot for a free passive income launch kit.